You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. SheFit, we're so over beach bodies and getting bikini ready. You should be empowered to wear anything you want, except a bad sports bra. You deserve better. You deserve a bra with fit and support like no other. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually performs. Fully adjustable to fit your body with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Today on the ZabeCast, the college football championship is tonight. Bama and Georgia once again. Remember the last time these two met? Kevin Sheehan of the Team 980 Morning Drive will talk to me about end-of-game analysis between the Raiders and the Chargers. All that plus the NFL's dirty family business. Your 40-minute uncensored Zabe Express is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, January 11, 2022. Thank you for downloading. So, Georgia, Alabama, for all the marbles tonight. College football championship game. And no, I do not have a recap and analysis of that game for you this morning. That said, it doesn't dissuade some of you. This email from Michael George titled, If I May. Zabe, with all due and utmost respect. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. I believe that it was a mistake this week to not have waited until the end of the Charger Raider game to do your Monday podcast. As a fellow Eastern time zoner, I understand the laborious nature of having to wait until after midnight for these games to conclude. But I think that this one week, it would have been more prudent to wait until all the games were finished. I would humbly suggest that you could have just acknowledged at the start of Monday's podcast that, hey, I already know the Sunday night game would finish too late for press time, so my complete Week 18 recap will be in the Tuesday podcast. I think I said that, basically. Without you having the full schedule for the wildcard games at the time of the recording and just recapping some of the earlier games, it just felt like today's show was incomplete and unable to capture the entire scope of this crazy final weekend of the regular season. Keep up the great work, and it should be a fun next month. Go Cowboys, then Bengals, then anyone else except for the Buccaneers and Patriots, and have a great week. Highest regards, Michael W. George. Michael, thank you for that email, and if I may, with all due and utmost respect, go drive into a tree. (laughs) Lightly, though. I don't want you to get hurt. But seriously, get the fuck out of here. I could barely sleep after that game was over. On Sunday night, my mind was racing, my heart was thumping, and I had no money on the game, and I didn't really care which team won. I I, I like them both. I like both quarterbacks. I like both uniforms. I like the fact they both have uh, brand new stadiums. I didn't care. I just was like, wow, what a game. 
but it was 11.05 Central Time. And I had to be up at 4.30 to do my regular gig on 97.3 The Game. So no, fuck to the no. I'm not going to stay up late and give you that because that recap will be half-assed and rushed. And here's the other thing. It's stressful for me when this podcast is not yet to bed. I have done this broadcasting, sports radio, for... What's the math between, let's say, I really started officially kind of in 94, let's call it. No, because I was doing play-by-play for UCSB in 91. Call it 91. I mean, you do the math. It's 30 fucking years. I'm not nervous about doing this, but it is stressful. It creates agitation with me knowing that there's work and there's things that have to be done and saying things and being at least semi-accurate and editing out mistakes and chopping it up and putting the picture with it and uploading it to the website and writing a description and blah, blah, blah. I wanted to watch and enjoy that game, which I did. And you didn't get the recap, well, until today. You're going to get it good and hard today with my man, Kevin Sheehan. But with all due respect, no fucking way. And that's the story as well for tonight's game uh, between Georgia and Alabama, because it's going to take forever. It's a college game. They started super late, and no. How about new? I look back at the last time these two teams met for the college football championship. That was, of course, the walk-off touchdown from freshman, who is this guy, Tua Tungavailoa, couldn't even pronounce his name, the lefty Hawaiian kid who came in for Jalen Hurts in that game and threw a touchdown to a wide-open streaking who? That's right, Devontae Smith, eventual Heisman Trophy winner and had a great rookie season with the Eagles. I love that kid. I hate the Eagles. It sucks he's on the Eagles, but whatever. Good season for the kid. Um, I'm looking at the uh, players on the field there on Wikipedia for that game. Oh, man. I mean, what a joke. Here are the guys selected in the NFL draft that were on the field amongst the starting players on offense and defense. Calvin Ridley, Jonah Williams, Ross Pierschbacher, Bradley Bozeman. Those three guys are offensive linemen. Jalen Hurts, Damian Harris, running back. Defensive end, Deshaun Hand. Nose guard, Deron Payne. D-lineman, Isaiah Bugs. Linebackers, Terrell Lewis, Mack Wilson, and Rashawn Evans. DBs, Deontay Thompson and Anthony Everett. And superstar safety, Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison. That's on Alabama's side. On Georgia's side, wide receivers Javon Wims and Riley Ridley. Left tackle Isaiah Wynn, first-round pick. Center Lamont Gaillard. Guard Ben Cleveland. Right tackle Andrew Thomas, first-rounder. Nick Chubb at tailback. Terry Godwin at wideout. Sony Michelle at running back, first rounder. Roquan Smith, first rounder at linebacker. And corner DeAndre Baker, first rounder. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five first rounders on Georgia that night. And one, two, three, four, five first rounders on Alabama. Par for the course, right, with these two Titans? Oh, That's right. Who was the quarterback of that Georgia team? Jake Fromm, who was taken in the fifth round by the New York Giants. 
Imagine being Jake Fromm. He was not great in the game, oh, by the way. Uh, final number 16 for 32 for 232 yards, a touchdown, but two picks. But there he was on the brink of winning the national championship. They're up 10 in the fourth quarter, and they let it slip away. Then they lose in overtime. But think about him. You're a badass at Georgia. You are minutes away from the national championship. That slips away. Then you get drafted by the Giants. This year, you're finally playing, and at the end of the season, week 18, your coach has so little faith in you, and probably rightfully so, he doesn't want to throw a pass on third and nine from his own five. God, that's got to be humbling right there. You have got to be mentally tough as an athlete to not just curl up in the corner into a ball and start crying. (laughs) So anyhow, there you go. Uh, That was the last time these two teams met. I'm going to wrap up this podcast and enjoy the game. But right now, to recap the thrilling Sunday night finish and the strategic decisions therein, we talked to my man, Kevin Sheehan. All right, joining us now from mornings on the Team 980 and, of course, the Kevin Sheehan podcast, my man, Kevin Sheehan. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm glad you picked up the phone because last night's Raider Charger game had one of the most delectable, confusing, argument-inducing end-of-game situations I can ever remember. Do you ever remember anything that bizarre in your lifetime watching this league? Can you imagine if we had gotten our dream and been able to do a show together? We would have spent all three hours on just the final two minutes of overtime. Right, but here's the thing. Damn the home team's game (laughs) against a terrible um, team. But but here's the thing. Here's what's delicious, and I had to call you today because you are one of the most astute and fanatic game situation guys I know that watches football. You know Andy, our boy. He'd be like, I don't know. Could have gone either way. (laughs) You, like me, like to churn over all the what-ifs of things, and you're usually very astute. Now, here's what's interesting. I don't know where you stand on the Brandon Staley timeout, so this is going to be news to me. What'd you think? Well, can we just say that before that, this was already like an epic game yes. that, you know, we were all creatures of recency in the, in the, in the, you know, 21st century here where we love all, we all love to say, oh, we were there for the worst or we were there for the greatest. This truly was one of the more memorable regular season NFL games of all time. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Now, a big part of it is you know what happened in overtime and where i stand on brandon staley's timeout is i don't understand how anybody thinks it costs the chargers a playoff thank you he called the timeout with four seconds left on the play clock right the raiders were gonna run another play regardless they were they were in shotgun on third and four. They were going to run the ball one more time, and I don't think his timeout incented them to run another player, incented them to try to win. Dave, here was one of the things that I was shocked that Michaels, Collinsworth, and almost everybody I listened to late last night and early this morning, they weren't saying. The Raiders did have incentive to win. 
you know, they were guarded, obviously, and they didn't want to, you know, put too much um, risk into this thing where, you know, somehow it could backfire. But do you think that they wanted to play at Cincinnati on Saturday or on Sunday night at Arrowhead? Right. Like they got outscored by the Chiefs in two games this year by 60 points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was literally, it was 89 to 23, 66 points they got outscored. And now the Bengals beat them badly too, but all that timeout did was, uh, you know, if I, I believe Brandon Staley when he says, I wanted, I knew they were going to run the ball and I wanted a better run defense in there. Um, and I didn't want them to gain enough yards where they started to think about the field goal. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. If, if you, if he was calling that timeout to get the ball back, to try to win the game, he would have called timeout earlier. The Raiders were going to run it on third and four before he called the timeout, and they ran it afterwards. The big, the, What made the difference was that Jacobs ripped off a 10-yard run, which made it a no-brainer to try a 47-yard field goal. What would have been interesting is if they had gained two or three yards, would they have tried a 55-yarder or a 54-yarder? I think they may have. Yeah. So I went to bed. It was hard for me to fall asleep because I was so jacked up on what a great game it was. And my head was spinning trying to go, okay, wait, so what would have happened? Okay, uh, no. Okay. And I'm churning through it as I'm flipping and flopping on the bed. I wake up four and a half hours later and I instantly read my timeline, which I often do. And I was stunned at the number of people. They were like, Brandon Staley is an idiot. He cost, I'm like, all the timeout did was it paused time for four seconds. And exactly. then everything that happened resumed on the other end. Yet there were still people as of 9 a.m. the next day, including my colleagues at 97.3 The Game, including John Kuhn, Super Bowl champion, and his colleague Brian Butch, former Wisconsin big man, who were adamant that I'm the idiot for saying that, and they swear that that changed the game. They're like, they were going to run out the clock. I go, how do you know that? I said, you can't know that because my prediction would be even if they got zero yards on third down, the Raiders would have tried a free field goal with 0-1 on the clock just to win. I think they would have too. Now, a 57-yarder, you know, because it's a longer field goal and because it's more of a power kick. I mean, you know kicking it's more, <laughs> um, more than anybody I know. It's more blockable. Made- and people are saying, what about a kick six like Alabama? I'm like, no. You know, uh, Carlson is a big leg. He he could have made it from 57 indoors, Agreed. easy, and it would have not landed in the end zone. This is not college, so it wouldn't right. have been that. He, he just might have missed it, but it would have been a, it would have been a free kick. I also said to these guys, I said, so your rationale is the Michael Jordan from the Last Dance excuse, and I took that personally. That somehow calling that timeout made the Raiders mad and then made them decide to run a play. And I said, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I thought Staley just wanted to force them into a pass. And if they could defend the pass, it stops the clock, and then the Raiders are on a bit of a pickle. That's all. Uh, and I, see, I, don't, I didn't think that. I, I, I think Staley was praying that they would run another play and that they'd they stop, stop them, them and, and they'd burn they their last the time out. run out. No, or be no. forced to try a much longer field goal um, if they were going to try a field goal. Okay. I think let's say a, let's say they yeah, had one timeout in their pocket. Let's say the Chargers stop them on that run play on third and nine. 
or third and four, excuse me. It's now still a 56-yarder. You could, if you wanted to, burn your last time out and say... Yeah, but, but see, there was no benefit to the Chargers winning the game. That's the problem with anybody who oh, thinks right, it's right, Staley. Oh, right, 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 right. Like, right, they right. were the sixth seed win or tie. There was no benefit to the Chargers winning the game. Just like I, I people missed that, and they all also missed why you and I both believe that the Raiders, with a good run, which they got, okay. would have tried the field goal and maybe would have tried it even from 54, 55, 56, 57 yards if they didn't get any uh, uh, yards on, on that last down because they would have been the five seed and played right. Cincinnati instead of being the seven seed and right. playing at Arrowhead where they lost 48-9 right. to nine three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I, yeah, I said if the, if the Raiders had been stopped on third down and then chose to punt with 30 seconds or thereabouts left, that the Chargers would have surely taken a knee and they would have taken what I called an honorable tie, which is as good as a win. But I said, conversely, I don't think the Raiders could have taken an honorable knee to force a tie because it would have been a dishonorable tie because they were the home team and they were leading and it would seem to be unsportsmanlike. Am I off base? Wait, say that again. You're, I, the, I the think char- the Raiders, if the Raiders let the clock run out and took a tie on purpose, it is a dishonorable tie. Because they were in scoring position. And they were leading. And they they well, had they, been they had been playing to win the game. Well, they weren't leading. It was thirty two thirty. I know, but they were leading in the game. Is my point. They were up fifteen late. So so oh, oh you're, so oh, you're then, saying late in the game? Yeah, they blew a, they blew a big lead, and so then to just turtle and take a tie, I think would have had a a, a sheen of dishonor to it. However, if they punted away with thirty seconds, then the Chargers could say, "Hey, we fought our ass back." From 15 down, we stopped them on third and short, which we needed to do. Fuck yeah, we're taking knees, we're taking the tie, and we're not apologizing. Look, the Raiders had already, you know, in overtime, and the Chargers, too, played the game to win. Yes. They had a third and eight before the two-minute warning where they dropped Carr back, and he threw to Zay Jones. Like, they could have run the ball there and then punted, knowing that the Chargers had nothing to gain by winning the game um, and they, the chargers could have, you know, run three times and neither team called a timeout. The Raiders went forward on third and eight on, on the pass to Zay Jones, which by the way, was Derek Carr's best throw of the night. Yeah. And then, and then what happened is after Jacobs didn't pick up any yardage on that first and 10 after the two minute warning, then it was into that weird area. And that's what made it so fascinating because the Raiders didn't want to make a mistake there at midfield and give the Chargers any reason to, to say, well, let's go for it now that, that we've got the ball, right. you know, here off, off, off a turnover or off a big sack, you know, or something. But the, the second down run, for those that thought the Chargers were trying to win the game, if that's true, they would have called a timeout after the first down run. But they let the clock run, and then Jacobs had that seven-yard run, and they didn't call timeout right afterwards. They called it with four seconds left. I was reading, um, what's his face, the guy that writes Warren Peace Lent stories for oh. ESPN. Oh um, God, Peter King? No, 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 no. Uh, um, Barnwell, Barnwell. Okay. Uh, Barnwell, you know, um, wrote something or tweeted something. Maybe he tweet, tweeted it. He said. 
that he, he, he agrees with us and said the Chargers didn't call that time out to try to win the game, to try to get the ball back. If they really did, wanted it, they would have called it before it got to the 42nd right. mark, which was the play clock. They called it with 38 seconds left, and Staley said they were in shotgun They uh, when they lined up. He knew they were going to run the ball again. You know, and he and he didn't have his best run defense in there, and that's what he subbed in so that he could get a stop. The Chargers lost the game and lost the playoff berth because they've got one of the worst run defenses in the league, and Jacobs went for 10 yards, and that made it a no-brainer for the Raiders to try the field goal. Yeah, I, I tried to impress upon these guys. I said if their mindset was to run out the clock, the Raiders, and take a knee and take a tie, then that mindset still existed on the other side of the timeout. Nothing well, what had changed. Saying, what, what some of those people are saying is all of a sudden they got, you know, they got inspired. Yeah, well, they really, got, yeah, they got mad. The I say, well, that's right. ridiculous. I, that's, what, that's what I say. I say yeah. you're, you're ascribing the Michael Jordan and I took that personally uh, theory right. to this, and I don't buy that for one hot second. Now, no, two other that. things in the game of interesting strategic note. They're down 15 and they score the first touchdown. They go for two, and Collinsworth susses out whether or not that is a good thing or not strategically. I maintain it's akin in blackjack to taking your double-down card either face up or face down. Some casinos don't let you take it down. I always request it down if I can get it. And they were like, no, you're wrong about that because – you don't want to lose the game as soon as possible. You want to hang in there. I said it's irrelevant. You have you need two th- you need three things. You need two touchdowns and a two. The sequencing of it is irrelevant. Am I wrong on that? Well, so I, you know, I, it's so, so funny because I I talked fifteen minutes just about this decision this <laughs> yes. morning on the show. And where do you come down? So so where I come down is context is everything. And so, you know, if you've got a really good play, if you've got them on their heels, you're going to have to make it either this time or next time. Um, You know, there's context to all this. To me, the straight analytics numbers, you know, decision makers are losers. I mean, there is context in this sport. And there's lots of pieces of information that can be factored in. Here's the one thing that I've always felt makes sense about kicking it there is, you know, there's this perception that an eight-point game is a one-score game. It's actually not true. It might be a one-score game, but more times than not, it's actually a two-score game because the percent chance of making a two-point conversion pretty much for the majority of the league is less than 50-50, you know, at 48, 49, whatever it is. But 29-21 puts pressure on the opponent. They that feel, is that is true. That you have to factor in the Collinsworth deflation angle, meaning if you don't get it, is your team deflated thinking, well, that's it, we're not gonna win now. Yeah, because we're two scores with four and a half minutes to go. Right. We need the ball back twice. We're gonna have to recover an onside kick, yada, yada, yada. But and then I you have to factor that, in how tight a defense the other team will play. If you convert right. early, it's gonna make the other team play tighter the rest of the way because they know that a touchdown and a two can beat you. Yeah, I just think, you know, when you get it to that eight, you know, the perception is, you know, it's always referred to, by the way, as a one score game. Um, And the potential is, yes, you can score and make a two pointer and tie the game. Should be called a one possession game. 
meaning you can make up the ground in one possession. Yeah, a touchdown it, and a two. A two is a separate score, if you ask me. Yeah, I, the, the point is is that more likely than not, it's a two-possession game. You know, the, the percent chance of a, of a made two-point conversion is not better than 50-50 for most teams. It's less than 50-50 right. for most teams. So more likely than not, it's a two-possession game. But anyway, I, I digress. I, I, I really felt in the moment it was six and one-half dozen the other. You know, they, they he had completed nine of 13 on that drive. They seemed to have him on their heels a little bit. You know, the play didn't really work as it was designed. That was like the fourth option to come back to Eckler, you know, on the two-point play. Yeah. He made an incredible play, you know, by making that throw as he was getting hit from behind. Um, I, the, the next part of this, maybe this is where you're headed. Not well, I'm not, I'm not quite, I'm not quite done with this. I want okay, to just well, put this continue. one to bed. Okay. I, I, I understand that there's differences in emotion and what the other team will do, but at the end of the day, you still need those three things, two touchdowns and a two. So the sequence. Yeah. Of it, and, may, and so, there's an argument to be made for, I need to know now what I'm going to need. Well, yeah. You know, it would yeah. It would help if you recover an onside kick. And you know you've got to throw it in the end zone because you didn't convert that too. So right, and a- Zabe, the other thing too is in an eight-point game. If you ever, you know, we all watch so much football. Teams treat that always like it's a final drive. I've always had a problem watching teams, you know, use and burn up their timeouts on that last drive because they might need them. In fact, they probably will need them. Um, And they treat it as if it's the final drive of the game. And I don't think it should be treated that way. I think it should be treated as if, you know, we've got a chance to score and tie it, but we probably won't. So let's keep our timeout so we can kick off after we score down two because we missed the two point conversion with still a chance. Yeah. But anyway, I know. See, ahead. when I when I get when I double down a blackjack and I get it down, I feel like I'm living a little bit longer because once the dealer deals their hand and assuming they don't bust, they have to go around the table to flip everyone's cards. And so there's a momentary there's a little moment there where you're thinking, I don't know what's under there for me, but it may be pretty good. Whereas if you double down on 11 and get an, an ace, you're pissed. You're like, fuck 12. And you feel like yeah, you lost as, right as away. As long as the dealer's got a four or five or six. No, lap, I, I know. Still feel pretty good. But, but my point is whether you see the card right away on the double down or whether it's tucked under, it doesn't matter. It's like still the up. same card. That's the only thing. <laughs> By the way, about Herbert, he makes me weak need with lust. Holy shit, do I love this guy. He reminds me a lot of Elway. Just a massive arm, total gunslinger, fearless, great comeback artist. Man, did the league fucking miss on him. Because what, they had a book on him that he was soft, right? Yeah, there was like this thing that, you know, he wasn't a leader. He lacked leadership ability. They had that his final year, they opened up with Auburn and they got beat. He didn't deliver at the end. You know, nobody. I mean, it's true. I mean, people really missed on him. Obviously, if you go back and redraft 2020, Washington doesn't take Chase Young. They take Justin Herbert. Right. Um, that's a no brainer. I love him, too. And I think the Elway comps actually a really good one. I have not use that one or heard people use it because Elway's like one of my all-time favorites and there's a lot of this same skill set you know the, the funny thing is on the drive that made it 29-22 after the made two-point conversion he was red hot on the final drive 
you did, like he threw 13 incompletions on that drive. <laughs> I know, but it's he hit crazy. six. They converted six fourth downs, which is apparently the most in 30 years in an Save NFL game. The guy had 30 incompletions in the game. The right. final drive was 19 plays in two minutes and six seconds. I think uh, I read this morning it took like 26 minutes of real time <laughs> it was, to play out. It was a lot. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. All right, you ready to damn near faint? Because here yeah. goes. I'm about to give your boy Kyle Shanahan major props. Well, I mean, you should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> here we go. Here's what here's what he did that was brilliant. It was a master class in keeping your timeouts dry. Oh, Kyle yeah. Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is it takes a sack. Garoppolo takes yeah. a sack on third and ten at his own twenty with under two to play, down seven. And punts it away with their kicker, oh, by the way. And he, yeah, and, he, Robbie Gould. and he does that because he knows he can force a 12-second possession with all three timeouts. Not two and not one. you got to have all three to force that null-set possession if the other team gets shrivel nuts, which McVay did by running it. And I'm like, wow, I thought you were ballsy, McVay. And then they drive down to score the game-tying touchdown. That, my friend, is why you keep all your timeouts dry until the bitter end. Well, you you need at least one Mike McCarthy so that you oh, challenge the fumble yes. last week. Oh, I know. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's so funny because there are a couple things about that. Number one, because they were down seven and it was fourth and 18, you absolutely, with three timeouts, had to punt. But a lot of coaches, like, I'll tell you what, Brandon Staley wouldn't have punted. He'd have had Herbert back there slinging it on fourth and 18. (laughs) Well, Staley's go-for-it chart, that's the one thing I take exception of. Like, the fourth and one at your own 20, it's dumb because you still have 50 more yards to go to be in a scoring position for yourself. So you don't win much by winning that one particular battle. If you lose like they did, it's three points automatically. And and Zabe, it wasn't fourth and one. If you go back and look at that play, it's fourth and like a yard and a half at least. But... um. When they punted that, you're so right about McVeigh. I was shocked that on the second down play, it was like second and eight, second and nine, that he didn't bootleg Stafford out with an option there. But I think he lost some confidence in Stafford. Why would he? <laughs> uh, even though Stafford had the 92 yard drive after the Ramsey interception. But, um, the whole thing. The both both games are so scintillating. By the way, if you're only if you're only up, um, say if you're only down four in that spot, you know, if let's just say instead of twenty four seventeen, it was twenty four twenty, you probably go for it. Sure. Because then you get the stop, you get a field goal, and you get you know, and then you get the ball back. Right. And by the way, you get you get the ball back. Um, you, they they can't make a first down and end the game if it's if it's that short of a field. I thought Garoppolo's drive was phenomenal. Oh yeah. Narrative, Back to the other narrative, game, you didn't narrative ask me changer. about the, Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go, going for two after the second touchdown. Didn't you think he was going to go for two? Oh, to, to win, win to win the game outright. 
Uh, would have been ballsy, although what did a tie do for San Fran? Yeah. You mean for for the Chargers? Oh, I'm sorry. You're going back to the Charger game. I'm, I'm back to the Chargers. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I, I think he didn't because a tie is a win for the Chargers. Exactly. So there, there were, I saw so many people, people say go for two. No, no, no. Well, they're like, this is what this guy does. And then all of a sudden he, you know, he's a coward with no. the playoffs on the line. No, 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 no. It, he, a tie. If they went to overtime, they were in as well. And the other thing too, that last drive, they were exhausted. Oh yeah. And, the, and, and Herbert had thrown 13 incompletions <laughs> on the drive. I know. So they, they the were punch drunk. It was a yeah. hell of a game. I mean, the whole thing. Oh, both. I mean, the whole, the whole, the, the, the product is so fucking good. It's straight crack oh, cocaine. So good. It's, Yesterday was great. That's so good, and it's going to be good for this month as well. Um, let's talk about these coaches that are fired real quick, and then I'll get a quick two cent thought from you on the soon to be commanders. Um, Zimmer, Nagy, Fangio, and Flores was the surprise today. Thoughts on any and all of those firings? Well, I'm really surprised about Flores. I thought he Most did a hell of a are. job in the two years. I, yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. And and then, you know, everybody thought it was because of Harbaugh, because Ross is, you know, such a big Michigan man. Um, and apparently it's not going to be Harbaugh. So I was surprised about that. Nobody else was a surprise. The one thing I'll say is that Fangio and Zimmer are going to get jobs like in the New York second as yeah. defensive coordinators. Right. Fangio, I think, really has been for now a decade plus you know, as good, if not the best defensive mind in football. And by the way, Zimmer's really good too, even though the Vikings defense has really been bad the last two years. You know why in um, part? Because he hired his kid. Well, and that's being part, bitched and, about up there. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you admitted Kyle, you know, was, you know, you gave him kudos. Mm-hmm. Kirk, you know, my boy Kirk's salary, you know, salary cap number is too big for that team. They, they haven't been million. able to add. Well, next yeah. year it's forty-five million. Is it forty-five next year? Yeah. Next year is forty-five, so they're going to have to restructure with him. I, I bet you they hire. <laughs> Which is all. the last the thing Wilkes. they want to do. They want to get on the off ramp, but it's too expensive to get on the off ramp. <laughs> I don't. Well, because they're they're I, I mean, they they owe him the money, so it it, it yeah, all they expires. Could tra- they after could this trade year. him. They could get a lot for him, what? and their their teams. Somebody would you. trade on a one year rental at forty-five million for a restructure. Sure. Oh, for, an for you know, a restructure into a longer term deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Denver, Denver and Cleveland could be in that line, but I think they'll hire an offensive guy and I think they'll restructure and keep. How about, cousins. how about Joe judge being safe? That is one of the all, I mean, no matter what, as a Washington fan, you can say, at least we're not New York. Holy shit. Are they God awful? Zabe, he, he may be the biggest dope as a head coach, I I can remember. I, you know, Tom Sula was like a really good, you know, a position coach. But remember that one year in San Francisco was just kind of comical. This dude, after getting his ass kicked by the Bears last week, went on an 11-minute rant. Did you listen to yes, it? Yes, I did. I played a good chunk of it. I was like, what world are you living in, buddy? Uh, his team. This is the dude last year after the Eagles tapped out, putting Nate Sudfeld into the game when they lost to Washington. You know, yes. in, the, in the season finale. You know, went and went on for twenty minutes the next day about how you'll never see a Joe Judge team quit. <laughs> and he ran two quarterbacks. Has bailed. 
they have bailed on him and him taking a swipe at Washington after a, like a loss in which they had negative 10 passing yards oh. is about as delusional and ill-timed as you'll ever get. He, he is, is he is on the all hat no cattle coaching team of all time right next to the likes of Greg Schiano who decided he right. was going to start but blowing a good coach. I know but but he said but he thought that in the pros you should start blowing up deal downs at the end of games. And oh my guys God. are like, no, yeah. bro, that, we don't do that. <laughs> right. But the, the, this dude, first of all, this team has totally quit on them. They're as bad as anybody, as disorganized as any team I've watched in a long time. It's poorly coached. They lined up. I don't know if you saw this. They lined up in the second quarter in a 3 nothing game deep in their own territory. Oh, yeah, no, I saw and it. Ran talked about two it. quarterback sneaks. I never, never after seen a that. Timeout and a false start. Never seen that in my life. Ever, 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 ever. ever. Complete cowardice. It's insane. All right, last two things, and then we're done here tonight. We're going to enjoy the national championship game. Uh, the name thing for the Wolf, your thoughts on it, and uh, can they, will they go get a QB1? Well, I don't give two craps about the name thing. You bullshit, you do. You have to give. No, I really don't. I don't have the passion for this. If they were the Fozzie Bears, you'd be pissed. I don't care. I honestly, (laughs) it's such, it's so down the list. I mean, I just don't have, and I think, I know you feel the same way. What do you think it's going to be? become Mr. Wisconsin. I know. What do you Um, think it's going to be, commanders or admirals? I think it's commanders. I just know it's not going to be Washington football team. Commanders, maybe. That's what people say. Who cares? Until Snyder is gone, whatever. QB1 will be the top priority. Um, they'll, you know, it was last off season when they made the big offer for Stafford. You know, I, I think they tried to get Trubisky and were very interested in Trubisky before the trade deadline. You know, the Taylor Heineke thing, he's cute and he's a nice little backup, but it's over. They, but they've known for a while that they need a 17 game NFL starting quarterback to try to get one, but you know, there's no guarantee they will. Can Rivera author a fourth straight season of. No, or no, it'll be the third straight season third. of no playoffs and survive. Well, they made the playoffs last year, remember? Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Can he, uh, <laughs> can, can he go a third? Like, what's his leash? Uh, if they're, if they're if, worse. Uh, third straight year, losing season because they had yeah. a losing season. If, yeah, if, if, the right. If, uh, if they're worse next year by just a game, is it potentially I mean, lethal? Might, I, don't you think? Probably it I is. See. But you know what? I think it would be, I, I, I don't want to use the word lethal. I think it would be unhealthy for him. And you know what he is, Abe? He may not be a great coach, but everybody that plays for him, there's a level of respect for his leadership um, that we haven't had. We certainly don't have it in ownership. No, obviously. We haven't had that kind of – Haven't since Shanahan. Shanahan was the last non-clown coach we had, and then Gibbs the second time. And then there's just been a litany of clowns, whether it was Spurrier or Zorn or Slappy Gruden or, you know, (laughs) somebody else. How about Gruden up for the OC job in Carolina? Yeah, well, that's what happens. You know, these guys get recycled. It takes a year off. You know what? Gets he's a good. He's a good offensive coordinator. I think he was pretty good in Jacksonville last There's year. There's a lot of guys the, that are good behind the scenes. That's yeah, that getting up at the podium Monday through Saturday. That's a big part of the challenge. All right, buddy. Uh, great to talk right. to you. The Kevin Sheehan podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Completely separate and incredibly wholesome beyond just his radio show on the Team 980 with our friend wholesome. Kevin. 
<laughs> wholesome, wholesome and nutrifying and delicious. The podcast well, is. <laughs> meantime, our boy Lavero pulled a major prank on me. Just uh, call me later, and I'll tell Listen, you about it. I will. I tell Lovey I I miss him dearly. I really mean. I will. That. All right. All right. Good, Bye, buddy. Good to hear. Hear from you. Bye. All right, let's end on this. The NFL has a nepotism problem. Well, unless you think it's not a problem. This one from our unpaid intern slash researcher, Davis Razkalns. Dear Steed, the NFL is pretty rife with nepotism, and one of the best ways to get a gig as a coach is to be a direct familial relation of another coach. Of the 792 coaches currently employed, 111 are related to a current or former NFL coach. That's about 14%. Science is yet to prove that talent in coaching American tackle football is genetically passed on as a trait, so we're left to assume that the kids got a leg up because back in the 70s, daddy took the Jets to 4-12. and Who could have ever guessed that a football league in which ownership of franchises usually belongs to some kind of heir would put a premium on being someone's kid? Shocker, right? On the average team, there are 3.4 coaches who are related to a current or former NFL head coach. And 11 out of 32 head coaches are related to a current or former head coach. 24 coordinators, nearly a quarter of them. Relatives of coaches. Also, while we're talking about it, Are we just not going to address that the Pittsburgh Steelers mascot, Steely McBeam's great-great-grandfather, was Aloysius Stellan McBeam IV, who sicked a bunch of Pinkertons on striking Staley de Bears in 1889? See attached link, and there's a story about the NFL's nepotism problem. Yeah, the numbers are stunning, but it's always been known. And some kids turn out to be pretty good. You know, Kyle's turned out to be good. Of the flying Shanahai. I would say David Chula, not so good. But this is how the league works. All right, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading. Spread the word. Spread the news. Tomorrow I'm on the Scott Solly Murray podcast on Patreon. So make sure to support them. And I will be driving the old Mobile Strike Studio out to their driveway later on this week. So that you'll have the boys on Friday with me. Have a great Monday night, or Tuesday, I should say it is now, and we will see you next time. We travel to see what's around the bend and what we're capable of. And now, Capital One's new class of travel card can keep up with you. Introducing Venture X from Capital One. With 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy. Venture X, for those always asking, where next? Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.